know this. Introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not PS. Tooling Semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWT Semantic. Yeah, me know. Boom! Tooling Semantic. Yeah, me know. Big ups to the man. Tooling Semantic. Welcome to another episode of Soothing Semantics. I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Make sure to subscribe. Take a moment, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you're notified uh, of all episodes. Smash the like button, leave your comments, negative or positive, we all we welcome them all. And today we have Mauro Stendel. <laughs> nice okay. pronunciation. Yes. The uh, Duvdevani, Duvdevani, the Israeli Special Forces soldier. Uh, brothers in arms. We're both in the in the Israeli army, so right. We always you know have that connection. And uh, thank you for coming, bro. It's really a pleasure having you. No, it's my pleasure to come. Okay. I owe you this. I, we were speaking about it for a long time, so I uh, I've been seeing you a lot on uh, on the internet, mostly in Spanish. So in I have no, Spanish, I have huh? no fucking idea what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I know, but it's like listen, I'm putting a lot of work into it, and after a lot of research. I figure out that first I have to speak to my people in order to grow faster, and then, you know, I'll transfer. I'm I'm doing it slowly, slowly, like a transfer to English, you know. But like, I have to make sure I got a big audience in my language. Your people, your people will respond f- faster, you know, to you because they feel identified with with that you. That makes that okay. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I only do it in one language. I just do it in English. It's because it's universal. Yeah, but that's your people too, you know. Sure. Like. My people is like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but like Argentinians and not hood, but like, you know, like regular people, you know, from Argentina that, you know, for them, I'm like, wow, this kid from this neighborhood. Now it's like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You made moves and they, they relate to it. Yeah. So aside from the army, you've built a, a massive e-commerce brand, e-commerce company. I, I want to talk to you about revenue and how much you're pulling in if you're open to talk about <laughs> that. I really want to know. I think everyone wants we'll to know. We'll talk about money. Okay. Don't worry. And and how Leo Raz from Fauda is essentially copying you. You know, how he's taken on. No. <laughs> okay. But but you've built a massive brand. You have you have a book that you put out. How, how would you say it in Spanish? Tres Fases? Tres phases. It sounds so much sexier yeah. than three phases. Yeah. I wrote phases. a book called Three Phases, and you're like, listen, I wrote a book called the Tres Phases. It's about an interesting uh, the way of of the warrior. You know, you just it's good. It's mu- it sounds much sexier. <laughs> tres phases. Yeah. So anyway, so give me give it's me. Good a, that it's not tres phases. You know, tres phases. No, I don't. What is that? Three joints. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't. I'm sure that would sell too, bro. <laughs> Alfaso is a journalist. Alfaso, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you, you have your book. I have my book. And aside from the the e-commerce and the uh, the book, I know you, you have some real estate, right? Because you mentioned Texas, real estate in Texas. Uh, yeah. I used to do wholesale real estate in Texas, in uh-huh. Austin. Uh-huh. Now I, I moved back completely to Miami. It was, a, it was a dark time for me. I was traveling to Texas back and forth. I used to do three days here, three days Texas. Three days here, three days Texas. Wow. Um, yeah, it was just a time where I was following money like crazy and nothing else mattered. 
I also invested that time in uh, toxicology lab and um, PGX, which is pharmacogenetics laboratory in Houston. So I was living in Houston also in that time. Keeping, you know, I had an apartment in Brickell, and I was going to Houston, Brickell, Houston, Brickell, Houston. What were you saying in Houston? You had an apartment there too? No, I, I actually rented a 14 bedroom house. <laughs> When you say rented, you mean you had 14 other people or a bunch of other no, people? No, it was just myself in a huge crib, five cars. and Yeah, it was a dark time. <laughs> <laughs> it was completely a dark time. I mean, you got you got a, you know experience in order to actually understand that that's not life. But How I'm glad I did it when How I was 25. How much huh? are you paying for this? Uh, yeah, I used to spend probably like... Thirty thousand dollars in just like rents and payments and stuff like Fucking that. Fucking balls, bro. Yeah. Holy <laughs> shit! You probably were having crazy ass parties too. Yes, that You're too. Probably throwing down. Yeah, that's too. That too. But um, it actually came to a point where I even had a panic attack when I discovered. Look, I was chasing money like crazy, and all of a sudden, I had everything. Everything I want, any car, name it, like everything, you know. But then. I realized, like, dude, what am I doing? Like, I'm 25, I'm by myself. Everybody who's here is not here because they love me, just because the party that I'm throwing, you know, or like, and 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 it was really bad. It was, you feel like you have everything, but you have nothing at the same time. You I, know? I remember you spoke about that on Brad's podcast. I want to go into that. Uh, but I, what I want to kind of go into a little is is your challenge that you had but before that even I remember when I saw you at, at K-Space so mm-hmm. K-Space for whoever's listening is just a a Jewish kind of event for, for singles and you know it's in the area here where I live so I haven't I didn't see you in a long time and this was maybe a year and a year ago and you had a McLaren and I had no idea just because I, I you know you and I we didn't hang out that often just you know I saw you here and there yeah yeah and then when I saw the, the McLaren, I was like, when the hell did you get that car? How did you get that car? I, was, <laughs> I didn't even understand it because I didn't know you were making money. I just didn't know. And I honestly, I was like, is he renting it? Is he like blowing all his money on it? I was like, what the hell is going on? I was just couldn't understand. Because you don't, bro, you don't meet people in their 20s, like Jewish people, Jewish guys usually. You know, like they right. usually don't, even if they could afford it, they usually are more like low key. Well, but also they're like, I find like Jewish people are more like old money. You know, you said I, old, old money. Yeah, yeah I don't. Like I don't see money. too many Jewish kids that are willing to sleep in a car in order Hell to no. build a, a brand. You know, no, they are not because they don't have to. Yeah, it's just like no, Abba. Can you please send me five thousand for a trip to Israel? Correct. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Like, it's more gener- mostly generational. Yeah, wealth, it's yeah. mostly jobs. Yeah, well, because they don't have to struggle <laughs> anymore. Because they're not. Because they're you know their family. Well, family. even even if they. Even if they could struggle and build their own brand and do something like for themselves, look, I'm proud of being Jewish and all that, but there is a whole toxic ambient inside, you know, and it's really hard to actually overcome those like judges and like judgments and like, no, you cannot do that because of the, you know what I'm saying? And you're saying trying different certain business ventures, you're going to get judged for it? No, no, I'm saying like go sell drugs, but I'm saying like, Sleeping in a car, you know, like if you go to a synagogue and let's say you go to K-Space and you're saying like, yeah, you know, I'm 
at this point I'm surviving because I want to dedicate my 24 hours a day to my brand so I don't want to work for nobody and I have no money so I'm sleeping in my car people will be like you're crazy right which is true you're crazy but they will take it to the next level you know they they're all gonna speak about it and they're all gonna talk shit and they you know what I'm saying That's like, so accurate yeah. but I think it comes from a good place because here's what it is if you're sleeping in your car you have this inside feeling that like I know what I'm doing what the position I'm in right now sucks but I see a bigger picture Right. I'm putting, I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of and I have to suffer now so I can get there. Right. But you know that about yourself. But people perceiving it from the outside, they're like, this dude's fucking crazy. Right. And they don't have the confidence <laughs> in you that you have in yourself. Correct. They don't see the, they don't, they don't see, see the, the vision that you have. Right. But they'll never see it. Only people, like if I have, I know somebody now sleeping in the car, I know like, it's different if it's, if it's by choice or if it's by needs, you know? I didn't need to sleep in a car. Right. But when I know that somebody is willing to do that in order to actually improve, because let's say like that. When I, you know, I finished in Duvdevan, special unit, and there's a lot of crazy job opportunities. I also speak four languages. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's a good, you know, resume for actually a security company or, you know, even... Mossad, you know what I'm saying? I could do like really big stuff when I finished the army. But I wanted to do something for myself. I wanted to, you know, be a millionaire, but like not like depending on like work standing like this, like a security guard or stuff or First saving yeah, how money. How much could you make already as a security guard, even if you were in Dove Devon? How much are they going to pay you? Well, you could go to Africa to, um, for example, um, protect gold mines. You can make like $15,000 a month, $20,000 a month. Or you can go train armies, you know, uh, and you can make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. You can make, yeah, it could get to like $20,000 a month. But you have to live six months in Sierra Leona, you know what I'm saying? Fuck like, that shit. Yeah. The Congo, sleeping with gorillas. Yeah, you get the malaria. I'm okay. okay with that. They would call you malaria Stendhal, God forbid. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but uh, you know, and... and also, I didn't plan to actually sleep in a car. I, I found a Jewish guy from Brooklyn that had a house for sale in Chipset Bay. And he let me stay there just so squatters don't get in. Mm. So I came. I had $500. And I went to the supermarket. And I, you know, I, I survived in the army. You know, when you go to like places and you have to eat tuna cans. Oh, and stuff yeah, like the field, the shetach, yeah. So I said, I mean, fuck it. I'm going to keep it like that. I, I'm a warrior. So I went to the supermarket. I saw tuna cans, vegetables. I could eat for $20 a week. You can really do it even with inflation. I'll take you to the supermarket. I'll teach you how to eat with $20 a week. $20? A week. It's crazy. Tuna cans, vegetables, fruits. You can eat for $20 a week if you're surviving, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to all get your protein and then go to the gym. This is survive. Right. But the reason I took it to the... I, to extreme is because I want it really fast. I want to succeed as fast as I can. But isn't also a part of it is because because you were in the army and you're not getting that adrenaline anymore in some fucked up way. As much as you don't want to be sleeping in a car, you want to be sleeping in a car. Meaning, like, you, you want to be able to tell yourself that you're tough enough to put yourself through it. Is that is there a part of that? That's. I mean, maybe yes. Like you feel like, oh, look, I'm I'm tough, but it was just I really wanted as fast as I can to finish with my goal. Uh -huh. And in order to do so, I understood I had to put everything, everything aside, everything. My mom was really sick. I couldn't see her her last year. 
and I knew she was, you know, going to go, you know, I don't know. I didn't know exactly when, but I knew it was in her last moment. I didn't go to my sister marriage because I needed to be here. There's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, uh, people don't see about entrepreneurs. Like, yeah, I do. You know, you see like the McLaren, but you didn't, you didn't know I was slept. I slept for a whole, almost a year in my car. I didn't go to my mom last year. You know, I, no, bro. People don't see it because the yeah. reality is humans don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about your struggle unless you get there. Right. Meaning, now that you ha you got the McLaren, you succeeded, now you could tell your rags to riches story and everyone's like, wow, because they relate to it. They don't relate to the success part, but they relate some, you know, to... If they get to actually listen to you, because right. some people just look at the McLaren and say, oh, a drug dealer, you know, and yeah, or he's doing something illegal, you know, or he's blowing all his money into yeah, that. Yeah, that's what most people... That's think. the first reaction. But you never get the reaction like, oh, this guy that he has a McLaren, he actually it's a regular Jewish kid, uh, you know, went to yeshiva or, you know, and then uh, to the university and now he's working in, with his family. No, right. you never get that. So, you know. You never get it. But one thing I always liked about you, bro, is you were always like a, like a, a, a nice, like humble dude. Like even if maybe you had your own, you know, pride moments and whatever. Whenever I met we, whenever I met you and spoke to you, you were always like a guy I could get along with. I could always, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, even I mean, you but you're nice too. If you were stupid, I would like shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> because we both have, bro. We both have a natural confidence where we don't have to like go out of our way to prove anything. Right. That's the truth. We're just, you know, I can't afford a McLaren. I'll be very real with you. But I know that when I can, even when I can have the car, I think there's going to be a level of humility because rich, be, becoming wealthy, and, and, I, and I haven't made millions at all, but what I do know is even the things I've become good at, riches don't change you. They magnify you. you know? they, they magnify the person you are. So if, if you're an asshole and you have money, now you're just a bigger asshole. That's what I believe. Yes. I, but that's also a problem if you're really nice. And let me tell you something. I was always the nice guy. Right. Always. And I was really agreeable. You know, let's call it like that. Yeah. Uh, it's actually a theory from Jordan Peterson. I know exactly. Agreeable and disagreeable. So I was really agreeable and really nice. And when I had a lot of money in this dark time, I was extremely agreeable and really nice with money. So people couldn't be like... I, I remember one time in South Beach, I was with a Lamborghini Urus, you know, $350,000 car. And the guy's like, oh, can you please take me? Like, yeah, I'll help out, you know. And I took a random guy to some, because he was on, on my way, you know. Right. Who does that? Right. I didn't give a fuck. I gave him the experience, you know. I wanted to do something nice for the guy. And, he wanted the ride, too. Yeah, you know, and like, I gave a good experience. And I felt good about giving all you know, I was taking care of making sure everybody's right. Making sure, like, you're right. You want, you need help. You call me like, hey, I, please can pick me up at the airport 6 a.m. Dude, I have a meeting. But, yeah, I'll take you. You know what I'm saying? I was the nice guy. And the problem when you're really nice and you get to the top, everybody's going to eat you alive. Yeah. They eat you raw. So it was a really dark moment because I was really agreeable with money. I was helping friends in Argentina to pay their bills. And I, myself, was fat as fuck, bald, didn't fix my teeth, you know, didn't take care of myself, you know, at all. I'm still a fatty, but not like f as fuck, <laughs> you know. 
But well, first of all, you're you're a little bit smaller, so it doesn't distribute as easily. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like I was, you know, bigger. And yeah. the reason is that I didn't prioritize myself. So money, yeah, you know, boost you, boost my being nice to people. And then I discovered that it's a mistake. You should not be nice to people. You should be nice to yourself. Yeah, I think there's a there's a balance. I I think I've been able to... So I don't have a problem saying no to people. I'm okay with that. I'm not so agreeable, to be honest. I, I'm not... I'm nice to people that I feel I can trust and be nice to. If I get the feeling that they're going to try to get one over on me and they're going to take my niceness for weakness, I sense it very quickly and I'll put, I'll shut it down. Well, that's a talent. Yeah. I had to work on it. I had to no, read no, books I did, about bro, it. Bro, I did work on it because I, oh, wasn't, you worked always, on it? I wasn't always like that. Um, but you know, there's people that have it from they're born. They literally have this talent about knowing... I think it's I think it's parenting, bro. I think it's mostly parenting. What were your parents like? Were they more agreeable? I don't know, man. I was like always in the streets. Like I I'm not speaking about my my dad. Like I had everything I wanted, but I just always chose the <laughs> the streets. I was a guy. Yeah, I like to that? like be around this. I don't know, man. Did my mom was did, sick. Did, did your father have a decent amount of money, or he was? He when I was born, yes, and then he went down a little bit. I started working when I was fifteen. I was delivering ice cream with my bicycle. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, yeah, man, I I don't know. Okay, I just real chose quick, real quick, Maro. I know you had Bradley had you on his podcast, but you and I are going to have a much better conversation. I hope I hope you're ready for that, Brad. I mean, we're talking. I don't know if he gives two shits, but <laughs> he's like, okay, Rafi, great. <laughs> you know who he is? You know, I had now, um, I I did with uh, Wolf of Wall Street, too, uh, last week. You went on his yeah, I went show? Yeah, I went to his house. No, I, I did my show, and I interviewed him. That's amazing. Bro. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's amazing, bro. If if there's some way that you could hook it up, yo, that would be unbelievable. I'll try, but like... But here's the... I got to know. Did you pay him? No... But I did a good strategy. Uh, yeah, I have. I'm. I. I think it uh, about like chess. You know, my dad was a chess enthusiast, and I also speak about the three phases. The three phases. The last phase, like, so the first one is no way back, right? Create a no return. Burn, burn your boat. Right. The second is like not mimic cry, but you have to blend in. If you want to be this, then be like them, bro. Like. Get around these people. Learn from them, you know, stuff like that. And the third one, it's like variables, you know? Variables, like sure. could be this or could be that, right? So in chess, you have that. Because if he plays this, you play that, right. you know? Different outcomes, different potential. Different so yeah. if you are able to learn the whole var- variables, that's how you pronounce it? How you pronounce Variables, yeah. Variables. If you learn all of them in one game, there's no room to mistake. The only reason why a computer can, if you like the perfect computer, can actually beat any human being, it's because it has all the variables saved. What's the best move if he moves this? What's the, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how the computer wins because he has all the variables. There's no room to mistake at all. Now, I'm in my career of where I'm trying to go or where I'm trying to get. I'm thinking about chess too, and I'm also learning all the variables all the time. 
if this happens then what i will do mm-hmm. and then if that happens then how i'll do it then i wanted to be on bradley's podcast and i did it because i found a way to do it and if look man at the point let's say i wanted to be in bradley's podcast i did the f- as one strategy and it worked but i had so many strategies like what will happen if Bradley goes to his office and there is a guy outside sitting with a you know lock in the chair and hunger strike until i'm in your podcast you th- wouldn't you think he's gonna get me on like come right now bro you were willing don't to die do you're willing to do that if you want yeah man i think bro i love this because i literally this is the shit that separates people who who get what they want they're yeah. literally their brains come up with this crazy ass idea that 98% of people would never try you know and like literally if you ch- you tie your fucking hand to his chair yeah. he's gonna do it and like- you put hunger strike <laughs> until I'm in Bradley's podcast day one <laughs> like that's a, hard, a strategy too man yeah 100% and I learned it in Israel chutzpah you know there's no yeah, way yeah. you don't get what you want right. no way there's no way they kick you out. Come from the window, like ever. <laughs> they do like that, you know. It's kind of annoying though how they how everything is a fucking fight there, bro. I know everything, but Sometimes. it's amazing too, man. They learn, bro. I learned so much. Like in Israel, I yeah. learned like you want to be first in the emails. Mm-hmm. Send the email eight fifty nine. So then, when the person comes nine a.m., you will be, be first. Oh, that's smart. All this kind of stuff I learned in Israel. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> that's a guy. I need, oh, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah. So when you want to send a resume or something, 8.59. Oh, my God. I got to tell my buddy to do this because I, 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 I'm trying to get some of that money from the army. And my buddy in Israel right now sent an email to Misrata Bitochon. And it's going to take them fucking like Yeah, do it 8.59. That's fucking crazy. Every day, 8.59. Ten emails. Fax too, 8.59, 10 fax. I used to do that all the time. Calls, 8.59, all the time. Because army, it's 9 a.m. Yo, that's that's amazing. Thank you for that. That's no great. problem. That's, yeah. No, but yo, in terms <laughs> I have of, more tips like those. In terms of getting what you want, bro, everything's a fight, man. You go to the bank, they tell you to take a ticket, fuck the ticket. You just cut the whole line. Because if you don't cut the whole line, everybody else is going to cut you. And you sit there waiting for fucking who knows how long. Which... I, 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 it's good that it teaches you these survival skills, but the system is stupid, bro. Like, they need to fix their bureaucracy to some degree. You walk into a bank in America, you walk into Chase, you sit down, you have a candy, they treat you like a king, they, they, they ask you what you need. Like, I understand it might make you softer, but at the end of the day, bro, sometimes I just want to walk into a fucking bank and be treated like a normal person. You know what I'm saying? Really? <laughs> like, I prefer to be treated like shit, but the things get taken care of, you know? Sometimes in America, they treat you good and they don't do shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize, but um, next business day, now it's Friday. Oh, so I have to come back Monday, 9 a.m. in order, like, you know, some instead of like, yeah, 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 ready, go, go, get the fuck out. You know, I prefer that. (laughs) I guess. I don't know, man. They don't always get done what you want them to get done. Not always. You, you, You can oftentimes, if you know how to make a big enough issue about it, it'll get done, but... Sometimes they'll say that we can we can do nothing about it anyway. So I don't know. Okay, and so. the problem is when when you apply these Israeli techniques on a really really American thing, like Amer- soft and candy mm-hmm. giver, can, it gets rejects really bad. For example, I got banned from Bank of America from doing that. You want to hear how? 
I can tell you. So I had, I was investing in this medic lab. I had to transfer one $187,000. Now I had to do it really fast because the people needed the money to start the business. And there were already moves and transfers that I had to do and time was really of the essence. So I opened an LLC because every time I get into a business, I don't get myself personal. I get myself with an LLC. Mm-hmm. So my partnership, it's under one LLC, you know, that's how I do my umbrella. So I put money on that LLC and then I wanted to wire transfer to the their account, you know, like, hey, here is the capital that I'm giving, 187000 mm-hmm. Now, um, I did the wire. It didn't let me do it online. Fuck, now I have to go to the bank. I don't know why. So I go to the bank and they tell me, uh, well, I'm sorry, we're not able to verify yourself because verify you because the brand, the bank account is brand new and your paperwork is not in the system yet. My account was one week old. Okay. I opened the bank account a week before. So I said, okay, but that's not my problem that you cannot verify me. You have to find a way to verify it because it's my money and you're holding it against my will. Because if right now I want to close my bank account and get a cashier check, you're not able to do so because you cannot verify me. And that's holding my money against my will. Mm-hmm. In any any situation that you can in a free country, get your money and close the account, you should be able to do so. Right. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I cannot give you your money because I cannot verify you. What the fuck is that? Right. You know, that's your problem. Find a way. No, we cannot do that. You know? So I said, okay, this is wrong. And when something is wrong, I, I'm really a guy that goes like all the way. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, how do I escalate this? I was already the manager of the, well, the only person that can actually help is the banker in, in, in where they open your bank account because that's where they have the paperwork. They didn't put it in the system. So I call the bank. The manager tells me like, oh, yeah, but I need the regions, uh, What's the name? Like the whole region of South Florida market leader to ha- get approve this. And she always gets back in within 48 hours. And no way. You I drive s- over to her house. You find her. No, no I was in Texas. You smash the window. I was in Texas. <laughs> but I, um, you know these apps where you can find people's numbers? Yeah. So I, I look at her name and the zip code in Miami. And I found her. And I called her. Cynthia Fernandez was her name. Mm-hmm. Say, so, hey, this is Cynthia at Bank of America. She was like. Yeah. It's like, hey, how are you? My name is Mauro. I have this problem. It's like, hold on. This is my personal number. How did you get it? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm a really good connected person. I said, she said, okay. And then she helped me everything. She did everything. And then a week after, they told me I'm banned forever. I cannot open a bank account in the Bank of America because I took it to that point of calling a region the whole florida region but they did what you wanted yes but then they banned me forever because you because instead of following the system you went correct i didn't do anything illegal right you just but i called the regions the whole region florida uh, personal number in order to do the transaction i wanted so i got what i wanted but i got banned forever for bank of america right they closed all my accounts everything i only they only let me kept one because he had a good balance, motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> what, else, what, else, what else is new? But yeah, they, they didn't like how you, you, you know. Sorry, you, it was a long story, but I wanted to tell you. It was good. It was good. So, bro, go go back to, to 
you know, and we let's not harp on this too long. And I do want to hear it, but people are going to want to hear a lot about like how you've built your businesses. Give me, give it. So you're in your car. You're in yeah. this car. You're in. You're in New York. Mm-hmm. How long were you in the car? You know, give us the whole story of okay. like how you got out of it. How so I, I first, I first um, lived in this abandoned house. Mm-hmm. I had $500, so I had said $20 a week. I have 25 weeks to make money. If I don't make money in 25 weeks, I'm stupid. Then I needed a place to sleep. I went to this house that the guy gave me, and there was no mattress. So I had to buy an air mattress. It was $60. So now I have 22 weeks to make money because mm-hmm. it was $20 a week. So then I, what I started doing uh, was actually uh, at the beginning, and didn't really work. I was doing uh, wholesale real estate. I was trying. I was going to court in Queens, going to court in Brooklyn and Manhattan. In New, here is probate. In New York, it's called surrogate, surrogate court. Mm-hmm. I used to go check the last six months whoever died, and then all these people that died the last six months who owned, who rented, who rented to the garbage. I'm sorry, who owned? Who's the heir? Who's gonna get the property? Well, what's the case looking like? Like, how is it advancing? Is he about to get the house? Or what's the house? Where is it? Where are the comps? And try to offer, you know, lowball them so you can, you know, fast, closing, 30 That's days, right, yeah. all cash, and, and try to give it to in Israeli investors that I, I knew in the time. The problem is that it, it wasn't working. It wasn't really working. I was doing call calls like crazy, visiting, you know, people, going, like, speak to, like, future like hairs and stuff like that. And it was really bad. I was hungry. It was cold. It was really a, not, not a good situation for me. But I knew it would, you know, I had hope and that's everything. You know, that's the last thing you lose, the hope. So once a month, I used to fly with friends of the IDF, FIDF, mm-hmm. volunteer, you know. They mm-hmm. didn't pay me salary. They paid my ticket and the food to speak. They took me to 17 states. So once a month, twice a month, they used to fly me, and I used to to speak about my story, how without knowing Hebrew, I went to Duvdevan, and you know, all this story. So when I spoke in Miami, I met Sam. Sam, who uh, now is a wealth manager in Morgan Stanley, he's number nine in Florida by Forbes. He was in Duvdevan when he was a kid. He was um, uh, a lone soldier too, and he came to America with nothing, and now he's you know, a, sh- a shark, let's call it like that. Well, he knew, and I didn't say I'm a shark, so he knew yeah, I'm not a shark, you know, I'm not yet, but I told him, like, hey, you know, I moved here, you know, I'm trying to start my real estate business. Didn't ask for help at all, because when you ask, it's like a favor, you know, and I, I, I my theory is that if you want somebody to help you, make sure they feel identified with you. Make sure they know you're one of them. Mm-hmm. So when they do that, they'll help you because they think you deserve it instead of just doing you a favor. And they will ask nothing in return and they will, the return will be your succeed. That will be like, you know, because mm-hmm. you may let them feel like you're one of them. So how I, I cannot make somebody feel like one, I'm one of his when I was a lone soldier in Duvdevan like him, you know, and he came to America with nothing like me. And so when I go back to New York, he starts calling me every morning. And in that time, it was really rough. I didn't have money to let my gas uh, overnight, my car on. Mm-hmm. You know, the car, it was like $20 a, a night if I keep it on the whole night just to be uh, with the heat, you know. 
So I was sleeping with like five jackets on me, you know, Damn, bro. because it was really cold. It was freezing. And um, I remember this, by the way. I'm yeah. And then he calls me and he's like, uh, uh, are you sleeping in your car? Like the fifth day I'm answering like, oh, you know, and I said, yeah. How did he realize from video? No. Yeah. From FaceTime. Right. I guess like after five days of answering like with five jackets in my car, he understood that I'm sleeping there. But it, yeah. Here's the thing. If if you didn't want him to know, then why did you do FaceTime? Why don't you just call him? I don't know, man. I Was there a part of you that wanted to him to find out in some weird I way? I don't know. No, I don't think so, man. It, I didn't I wasn't like answering like hi, you know, like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I, I it wasn't like that. It, it was I don't know. I think he's he's a really smart guy yeah. and he understood maybe by our conversations that I was you know, I never asked for money, never asked for anything, but I think he understood, you know, and, and, you know, he struggled before, so he knows, like, struggle, recognize struggle, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. So, I, I think he, he knew, and, and he told me that, so then he told me, no, no, you can sleep in my couch, but don't die from being cold, you know, from mm-hmm. a hypothermia or something like that. So, he got me a ticket to Miami, and I was sleeping in his, um, couch that's probably when i met you and i was doing real estate with him i guess was that when i met you i don't know that's when i met a month after i moved to uh, sam that's where i like i spoke in in k space and then you know i started i was sleeping at sam's couch oh wow yeah you never know bro you never know with people no i never never show your weakness 100 percent. yeah especially in a jewish place (laughs) They'll eat you alive. Anyways, um, yeah, so I started going to court here and, um, you know, and trying to get deals here. But at least now I had food and I had a place to sleep, you know. It was better conditions. Mm -hmm. The problem is that after two, three weeks, I couldn't find any deal, man. It was really hard. I don't know why I couldn't find the formula. And somebody was trusting on me, giving me food and like I didn't feel good with that you know I feel like a failure for the first time in my life I feel like I'm failing like I'm failing I'm a total failure mm-hmm. you know I didn't see my mom for this last year she, like she like before she died didn't go to my sister wedding and now I'm not like like what the fuck I'm, I'm a failure you know so then I, I started banging my head in the shower, you know, like this. Like literally doing that. Yeah. yeah. I remember, by the way, you see, I remember this from Brad. I listened to the whole episode with him. Oh, really? So I remember, I rem- you know, I'm, I just want you to tell it again and have everyone. Have no, everyone that's here. fine. And then I like my, I, probably from one big, uh, like this, you know, because I really felt like a failure, man. It was really bad. My ideas went like, you know, <laughs> and then I put on Google, I need to sell my house fast. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, I called the first. I said, oh, "Wow, there's people doing this professionally." You know, actually. So um, I started calling them and say, "Like, hey, I don't want to sell my house. Uh, maybe you have cheap houses I can buy." You know, guys. I knew Sam was willing to invest with me. I will do the work, and you know, and they started. Yeah, I'll add you to my investor list. The wholesalers say. So now it's, oh, fuck, this is a thing, actually. So then I start calling everyone. 
And then I realized, look, it wasn't my money. It was Sam's money. But I am the money in this business. Mm -hmm. You know, like, why am I doing, you know, if every business has capital, sweat, equity, and know-how. But why am I doing everything? If I have the capital, I should reduce the others, you know? So I work smarter, not, you know, it's not my money, but I should act like I'm the money. Right. So then all these people started sending houses, and instead of me doing cold calls and doing the hard work, trying to find one house, now I have all these people trying to sell me a house. You understand? So now I could grab this house, do the comps, see, okay, how much was it sold, uh, how much houses like this were sold with the same size or, you know, Okay, what what work needs to be done? How much will be? Okay, perfect. This is a good deal. Whatever. So now I could come to Sam with like, hey, here are different. Instead of, you know, nothing. You know, and I, hey, what you think? So then a, a guy also named Ariel, uh, Israeli guy. He helped me a lot. Also find the house and everything. He had experience, and uh, I met him in Case Space. And uh, that's how we, I did my first house. After the third week, uh, you know, we found the house and we bought for 137000 in Delray Beach. So I used to drive every morning to Delray Beach. And um, we finished in three months. We sold for two fifty. That was my first money. How much did you make from it? Half. Well, the investment was like 35000 probably uh, fixing the house. 137 for another, let's say... 170, 180 was the cost. We sold for 250 minus 6% of the brokers. Mm-hmm. That's probably, I made like, I don't know, twelve, fifteen thousand $15,000. So it was a flip? Yeah. Okay. But that was my first check. Very nice. You must have felt like you were you were able to swim above water now. Well, you were surviving. Look, I worked three months for 15000 That's not, not really a good deal, but bro, I worked my ass off. Wow. The the day of the closing, before it was closing, I already was fixing the house myself. I have a picture with like no skin from like hammering and. Why though? Why don't they they, they didn't hire people? Why are you doing? That? I hired people too, but I, bro, like somebody trust me their money from the first time. There's no room to mistakes. Right. Myself was like crazy. I even slept there sometimes, you know. Damn, bro. It was really, for me, you know, I didn't want to fail. It was, I couldn't fail. But even so, the stuff, the, the, the fixes weren't ready in time? Why are you there nailing stuff into the wall? Because if, I, if you put subcontractors, they take all your profit. So instead of hiring somebody to do the floors, I'll do the floor myself. I'll just pick up, you know, two immigrants in Home Depot and bring them with me and, like, tell them what to do watching YouTube videos and stuff. I did everything. Mm-hmm. The only thing I call subcontractors was for the AC and for the marble. Nothing else. All the rest was me. I lifted the floor. I did the bathroom. Everything. Tiles. Everything I did. And you didn't know how to do it before? Well, but YouTube... Man, there is, people don't know how to read and do marble. Can, it, can it, you do that? You know what I'm so saying? So the investors knew that you were doing all this? No, only yourself. Sam. Sam was the only investor. Really, and so he's just like, okay, you do all the work yourself. Yeah. Just to, so it so would the deal would work because otherwise the deal wouldn't have worked. Well, there w- we wouldn't have profit. Uh, like the subcontractor ready to like, hey, here's your key. Hey, everything is ready. We'll take longer and we'll we'll take fifty thousand. You know, and where's your money? Damn. Yeah, but I mean, there's flips that you can do where you hire people and you still make the money. 
Well, yeah, but you gotta buy extremely cheap. Wow, that sounds crazy. Or the property has to go extremely up, you okay, know. Okay, but this wasn't a long-term solution for you. You you kept doing this for a bunch of deals. You well, I did that. Then we did another one, and then I said, okay, I need fast money. Now I met a person. He, you know, driving Lambos, and he sold a boat to a. At the end, he was a completely scam, but he sold a, one boat to my friend in Boca. He used to live in Delray oh, Beach. Scam, scam, how? Well, that's what he do. He's, for example, look, he, you'll see this extremely rich guy, right? And let's say you want to buy a boat, and he has an extremely nice boat, worth like one hundred eighty thousand, for example. And he'll tell you he's extremely rich and he looks extremely rich and so fucking everything is like, what the fuck? You know, and you when you see when you're poor and you see that, you're like, what? You know, he take you eat, whatever. And then he tell you, like, you want my boat? Yeah, I'll sell it to you. Just give me 10,000. I'll give it to you. I don't care. Um, I have to go to Monaco uh, for a few months. And when I'll be back, we'll, we'll figure it out. Just use it for now. So you give the 10,000, for example. 20,000, whatever it is, he gives you the boat, actually, and then he disappears for two, one, two months. And then after two months, uh, your car, let's say it was a Ferrari or a boat, gets towed. And then you're like, what the fuck, this guy took the car or the boat back, you know? And then if you take him to court, he will say like, yeah, I, I was trying to sell my car to him but i regret it's like okay he gave you a down payment of ten thousand dollars he'll be like so it was a down payment yeah but like he will be I like you were just borrowing it for like however long he was away no 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 like he's gonna give it to you that's the promise well, the plan, you know? okay but he's going away so take it for now and then we'll yeah we'll figure it out don't worry okay, okay and he's like what for ten thousand i get to drive a my a Lamborghini for five months, whatever. He, 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 he never did it to me. I didn't have any money in that time, but he was doing that to like middle-class people. So then you get the Lambo, you get the boat, whatever it is. And then after one month, he tows it. And then if you take him to court, he'll say like, yeah, I was trying to sell the, the car to him, but I regretted that. At the end, I don't want to sell it to him. So then you ask for your money back. He's like, what do you mean my money? Your money back? You kept the Lamborghini for three months. Whatever, right? I can I could rent that for fifteen hundred a day. You should owe me money, you know. That's what he will tell you. So eventually, that boat sale was something like that. But well, if you kind of think about it, how? Why did he do that? How does it benefit him? Why doesn't he rent it out for a lot more money? Well, it's easier to just scam people. You have no liabilities, no nothing, no risk. Right, but I'm saying like if you have a Lamborghini, you can and and someone's using it for ten thousand dollars and driving it for three months. He why doesn't he just rent it regularly? Why doesn't he? Just no, it's not three months. Thing? It's like a month, month and a half. Even so, you could rent a Lambo to somebody for fifteen hundred a day. Yeah, but like you have the liability, you have the risk, uh, you have the headache of actually doing the work and renting it out. You have maintenance. You know, in the car rental, it's not just like. I'm oh yeah money you know it's okay well and, and if so what would happen technically if you crashed a car in his, in his situation I don't really understand what he did that, I don't how did how does that a long term solution how did he always find people how did he always have people always he put the car in offer up and do that for example he used to do that a lot anyways he's he actually grew really big into scam he took it to the next level 
Now he gets a, he get, I think he's getting a class action suit, like a really big one. So what he started doing that is also he started scamming people with Amazon. And that's where I actually get in the picture because I really wanted to sell on Amazon because I knew that after two, three weeks, you get your money after you, you know, you sell products. So I invested with him. Um, it was our first store, actually. It was really good. It was selling. And then we had to add more money to actually get more products to sell. You, obviously, you didn't know he was scamming people. Bro, I, no, of course, I didn't know at all. And I also was my first big... The real estate and business is completely different. Like, you're not a business... If you own real estate and you invest in real estate, you're an investor. You're not a businessman. Mm -hmm. Business, like, it, there's a whole completely, like, thing. Non-compete, non-circumvention, NDA, uh, you know, all these things about business, that how you move. It's not a... It's completely different about real estate. And I was coming from real estate. I didn't know nothing. I, I opened NLC with him. I didn't know about operating agreement contracts. I mean, a little bit, but not, like, too much. So I didn't see exactly what was going on. I didn't have money for lawyers, you know. So um, eventually we opened a store. We had money, you know, to actually buy products. And he stole everything. He stole the money. Now, he stole the money in a way that is not criminal. It's civil court, you know. He took all your money? He took the money, yeah. How much did you put in? Like 40000 And that, was that most of your money? It was everything I had. Really? Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Anyways, but now he so took my money, but new, now, now, now I learned from him how to do the business because yeah. the business was right. He just, it was a stupid asshole, but the business was right. So then I started myself. I started myself and I started actually doing that myself, you know, bringing so people. So this was the story that you were telling Brad about the guy that you didn't sign those agreements and he left you. No, that's after. So you got fucked through, again. yeah, through Rabbi Yossi, I meet, uh, two religious people from sunny isles they come to me that i was supposed to sell them stores so they invest with me they convinced me to partner up with them um and um i partner up with them <laughs> eventually and i teach them all my business and i show them my employees in bangladesh and we start doing massive stuff i start teaching their employees stuff so we can scale and then when i realized a person told me like bro they're fucking you like you have no like they, like they, anytime now you'd have every, all your know-how, they have everything like. They could just cut you out and, yeah. keep, and keep doing what, you know. And uh, that's what they did eventually. When I asked for a contract and they gave me a contract that was really stupid and really, you know, Mauro is stupid and we are good, whatever. And I told them like, hey, at least give me a non-compete. When you saw that contract, did you know right away or did you have yeah i know that at that time i knew right away he was looking really stupid like just, we can do this you cannot do that you know that was a contract oh, like at least give me a non-compete that was friday and they told him and i told him like no we cannot give you a non-compete we're doing this also before bullshit they were like losing money i saved their business so um and then i told him like that's non-negotiable oh now i feel like i'm a business guy i said non-negotiable and then they told me yeah well let us think think about it and then shabbat and then sunday and then monday my key didn't work they they changed the lock yeah and they i called them and say yeah you said no, it's not negotiable whatever oh so they got nasty with you yeah yeah so they 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 took it as a threat and they're like oh you want to threaten us yeah. fuck you yeah they, okay, yeah got, but nasty. i know they 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 karma got them really good so i'm happy how so I don't want to talk about it. They got arrested? No. Uh, I'll tell you after tell recording. After. But yo, this is part of agreeableness. Is like, 
if you're very agreeable and you have this kind of good feeling about other people and they see that on you and they're the kind of people that are going to try to one-up you or, or fuck you, they'll do it. And then as time goes on, you need to learn like, okay, and I'm not saying you, you obviously learned it, but it's like you, you start to learn that, okay, this person's like this, that person's like that, and you, and you get better at it. But even when you're not so agreeable, if you don't know what's going on, even if you would argue the point or step stand up for yourself, but you just don't know what's going on, right. you don't know the terms of the contract, you don't know what things mean. So if you don't have enough knowledge on the subject, even if you're if you would normally, you know, like I said again, stand up for yourself, they could still fuck you. So it's like a combination of not being a pushover and actually knowing what's going on. Right. 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 That's yeah. right. But I learned by you know by. The hard way, like Brad says, oh, I, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons, and now I consider myself I'm, I'm, I'm good like for business myself. Like I even tell lawyers like, hey, do this, do that, instead of like, what should I do? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's that's experience, man. Yeah, bro, it takes experience. How old are you now? Twenty seven. I'm twenty seven. Yeah. Okay, so a little younger than me. It's wild. How old are 28. you? Twenty eight. Yeah, it's good. Indeed. Any. Any um any anything between like twenty five and twenty and thirty, I think it's a it's a good age because you're like still young, but like now you're smarter, you know. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I, bro, I learned so much and since I'm you know twenty twenty one, even since I'm a teenager. But these past couple of years, bro, like you know, past three four years was when I really shifted my mindset because I used to, you know, I grew up poor, so. Uh, I always was afraid to spend money. I was so afraid to spend money. I was always holding on to my money, saving it. But saving money is not going to make you rich. No. You need to put it out there. You need to spend it. You need to Invest. allow it to make you money. And and when you're, you know, from the lower class or even the middle class, your mentality is you make whatever you make. You have your job. You have your boss. You make your 40, 60, even 100K. And then you have to put it aside for when you're 70. It's like you're never going to really have the money you, you need to really be free. You're always going to be – money's always going to hold you down. And it took me – it took a mindset shift to really say, you know what? I don't want to take money away from me, but the only way that I'm going to drastically change anything is if I'm willing to risk it and spend money to, to buy my time back, to hire somebody to pay for a CRM, to pay for a podcast editor, to pay for uh, you know a dialer for my calls, to pay you know pay for email marketing, to all those other things, uh, you know pay for a cleaning lady, which I don't happen to not do yet, but all these things is like you know paying for efficiency instead of even going to a barber shop, you pay a barber more money, he comes to you, whatever the case is, but just all yeah. these little things to buy your time back. So you could do the shit you're good at and the shit you want to do. And that's what I'm understanding. And I never had that mentality growing up. That's good you have it now. Yeah, bro. Now now, now I'm just focusing on on constantly, you know, building and learning, getting punched in the face, getting back up again, and getting slapped in the face, getting back up again. You know, just that until you until you learn to see that slap coming, so you move out of the way and you can fucking you know, you know what I mean? Right. That's how I'm seeing it, yeah. That's good. Yeah, bro, thank you. It takes Le time, though. Yeah. It takes time. Lessons you learn the hard way. It takes a lot of... Did you read Brad's book? I did. What did you think of it? I like it. I think yeah. I'm also a hard way learner. <laughs> That's the best way, bro. Yeah. It's the best way. Because like, when people tell you stuff... People I just prefer to experience, you know? And when I don't like... 
I don't like actually trusting somebody's worth. Oh, yeah, he said it's hard, so I'm not going to try. No, yeah. fuck it. I'm going to try myself, you know, and, and see if it's hard or not. You right, know? Right, and right, right. I think it's a part of ego, you know, if you have it high, you want to try things yourself because you think you can do people things that other people cannot. Mm-hmm. So when you have that, like, feeling that you can do things others not, then you can try to do anything you want. 100%. But, yo, you know what? Everyone shits on ego. And I don't, you know, I don't like the word ego necessarily, but being a prideful person, it has its benefits, man. Like, of course, it can be to a detriment. It can be bad if you treat people badly or if you think you're you're the most amazing person in the world. But on the flip side of it is if you're a very, very confident person and even egotistical to some degree, that's when you have this belief of, of I can do whatever I fucking want, whatever right. I set my mind to. right. And people hate on that. A lot of people hate on that because they're like, "Who? How do you have the audacity to think you're you're that capable of a person?" Right. And it's like, "Cause I fucking do. Cause I've tried a few things. I've I fucked up, but then I figured it out. And if I just shift, take if I take that over to something else, it might take me a while. It might not happen right away, but I'm gonna get it at some point. Right. And then eventually, you keep, you know. And and I'm not talking, you know. I'm like I said, I'm not rich, so, but I know these things are true. Because I know that from the things I have been able to get good at, it's just a matter of taking those skills, bringing it over to something else. It's not going to—they're not necessarily going to be the same. They'll require different skills and different knowledge. But eventually, you start to get good at so many things that you can become even better at other things faster. Right. So, like, take—I don't know—take the Rock. I use this in a, as an example. The Rock, you know, the the actor and whatever. He wasn't always rich, obviously. Started out wrestling, doing all this other shit. Bro, if he opens up a fucking green cup company, he'll kill it. Because he's the rock already. He's built himself up to such a degree where his name will sell anything. Correct. Anything. Personal brand is really important. His personal brand will sell him anything. He wants to put his face on this cup, it'll become an extremely successful cup company. Done. Right? But I can't do that because I don't have that kind of brand yet. And I don't, ha- and I haven't done enough things, gone through enough ventures, to be in that position. But that's it. He's, that's all he has to do. It's crazy, right? It's amazing, isn't it true? But that's it- why I'm investing in personal brand. All right. So a what, lot. So what are some of your personal brands? No, like my name, that mm-hmm. sharing my story, writing a book. You're saying becoming a brand. Yeah. Right. So then everything I touch, it's gonna be money. It's amazing, right? That's but, my goal. Pull yeah. money. Right. Pull money. It's crazy. Money. <laughs> so, so yo, what was... Okay, so so you now after you got fucked by these Sunny Isles guys, what happens next? Then other people that got fucked by them reach out to me because they knew I'm the know-how, and we started again. Mm-hmm. And then I started myself this time too, you know, just not giving a fuck about partners and just be myself. Mm-hmm. And that's when money came because then the pandemic actually started... And by the pandemic, I had 127 stores that I was managing. Oh, wow. Okay. In Amazon. And, man, it was really big. Wow. Uh, yeah, it started those diamonds when, I don't know. It was what were you crazy. selling? What kind of products were you selling? Everything. Um, I sold many things for cleaning the house during beginning the pandemic. Then uh, hair, uh, hair clippers mm-hmm. uh, during, like, May, April, May. And then dumbbells for June, July. 
because people started working out really hard. It was a thing. Remember, like during the pandemic, after a few months, people were like, "How's working out?" You yeah, know? the work, the house workouts. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know what was the most popular product that I sold during the pandemic in, like September? Sex, sex toys. Sep- well, not sex toys, but spermicide. Interesting. It's a cream that you put in your poo poo and kills. <laughs> I sold so much money off it, you know. Okay. Wait, you put it in the you put it in the in the vagina. Yes. Right, and it kills off the. Yeah, poo is vagina. Pee is penis. Dude, you gotta give me the the Latin. The no, Latin poo slang. pussy, like you know, poo Pussy is poo When I think and the penis is pee Okay, but know? I'm American. When I think of poo I think of what comes out of your butt. That's that's what I think. Of yeah, poo-poo. but like if. I... No, I know. Like the Jamaicans say pum pum. Really? Yeah. Hear that? I hope any. I like how they say though. cucumber, cucumba, 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 puta cucumba. Yeah, it's great. Cucumba. Okay, so now you're you're making all this money. How much? How much revenue? How much are you pulling? Man, during the pandemic, I had months making like three hundred, four hundred k. It was really big. And th- what was your net? Your net profit? Oh, that's really hard for me to calculate. I never know. You never know. Like, it's just always rolling. I know my revenue is really good. But even right now, you have your stuff on autopilot. It's just you're at, you still have your Amazon. Yeah, right? but it's really hard for me to calculate the profit exactly because I you every month it's reinvesting in them. You know, I can tell you exactly my revenues. I know them by heart. But like net profit, is, look also like some months there's more returns. You know, and sometimes I lose more money because there is more returns, and it's a problem for me to calculate actually the return. You know? Okay. Do you have a lot of people, like friends and people you know, that invest with you, or is it mostly you and you have employees and yada yada? Before I was more like investors. Now I'm myself. I don't need people now. You right. know. You don't even want it. You but I always it. have, you know, like for fun, for sport. You know, I have my friend. Who I lives in- lo- I, honestly, I mean, we could talk. We'll talk off top, off podcast more. But I've always kind of wanted to get into Amazon. But there's always so many people talking. I watch these videos and YouTube videos and different people just talking about do it this way, do it this way, do it that way. So I I always was just so overwhelmed by how many different opinions there are that I never really got into it. But like if I knew I had somebody that really knew how to do it and I could give him X amount of money and and understand it, then it would be dope because I just always liked the idea of that money coming in. Uh, Pretty much That's good. Indeed. There's a lot of free information. There is, yeah. I used to give a lot of free information because I used to think like, oh, like uh, if they teach, it's because they don't know. If they will know, they'll do it themselves. So I'm going to teach for free so people know that I know for real. Mm -hmm. But then it was just, I understood that whoever is giving free information, honestly, is because they don't believe that they could sell their knowledge. And it's lack of confidence. I mean, I'm not saying about giving a little bit, but if you do like a whole course, 14 hours for free to people, like, how, bro, you're a prostitute. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I totally hear that, but it's so many. You're different. a knowledge pimp. <laughs> I think I'm a whore. Everyone's a whore, Christ. We just sell different parts of ourselves. There's so many differing opinions, though, because, like, for instance, there's this real estate coach in Alabama, and he gives like tons of free coaching. But the dude's killing it. I mean, I'm sure if he was paying, charging for it, he'd make a lot, a lot more money. 
but I don't know. It's interesting because like when you have these free coaches in the co- in sessions, people are much more likely to check. Well, I don't know about that. I don't know. Well, very- one thing one thing it's giving free value built to build in order to sell something at the end, which is probably if he's smart, what he's doing, like Gary V did, you know, giving free, yeah. free, free, and then you then sell. You sell, yeah. Which is also a theory, or you have like Grant Cardone theory, which like you start selling right away, you know? It's two extremes. But if somebody's just giving free, 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 and the, keeps giving like extremely real value for free, like, bro, this is a knowledge prostitute, you know? Right, you feel like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, you gotta charge something, yeah. Before it's too late. Right. Because then you'll be the guy that gives free content. Oh, now we have to pay you? Fuck you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. It makes perfect sense. You gotta if you're gonna so you, do it, you gotta do it somewhat early. Yeah. Before you, you, you gotta know. take the step. Right. It is a thing because once you get like so agreeable that you're so nice and giving free knowledge, everyone expects it to take that step. It's probably like I don't know. People are gonna buy it. Oh my god, no, I don't think so. You know, like hundred percent. So it's now such a good. That's so yeah. True. Do you you do coaching right? You do like in Spanish. I don't know if it's coaching, but well, I gave some free stuff for example, but I I have my technique. You know, I I sell too. You know. So I, I put up, it's in Spanish though, my theory is about, for example, the Tres Fases, you know, I, it's for free, the book is not free, but the theory is on YouTube for free. And then I have the other theory that's the art of protect yourself. Right. Like once you get to the point where, to the, once you get, once you get where you want to be, once you get, once you know, once you are who you are, like who you wanted to be, then you have to make sure you, you're, you, you know this theory of protect yourself before they'll take you down mm-hmm. because you can be really good at getting where you want but then after Staying that there's there. people that actually how there is people that keeps growing to the point like the rock because when the rock was a wwe on only a wwe he could stay there or he could actually get how many wwe pay players and not like wrestlers you forgot like we don't even talk about them anymore totally but he continued growing so once you get where you want, you want to. You need to understand what to do in order to protect yourself, your figure, what you say, what you speak, but also who you surround yourself with. Being extremely disagreeable, it's a, it's something that you extremely need. If 100%. you're agreeable and you're like up, they'll take you down in 100%, a minute. Percent, bro. It's interesting because we're talking about Brad Lee, right? You should watch the one. I really want to hear your thoughts on the on the episode I did with him. Because I didn't even ask him so much business advice. Him and I ended up having like a debate a lot of the time. And not here's the thing. I didn't we didn't really disagree. I was just really trying to understand what he meant by a few of the things he said in his in his on his channel, on his Instagram. So he was talking about patience and he was saying how like you can't have patience, you need to do everything right away, you need to get aggressive and angry about whatever it is you're doing. And I and I hear him on that. But he was saying how, like, you can't have this thought of things are going to take time. And as much as I hear him out, shit, as much as you want stuff to happen fucking right now, and you and you should do whatever you can to get there, it doesn't mean that that's how it's going to work out. And I, th- and I understood what he meant, but I think a lot of people, and that's, listen, people are people, and they're going to misconstrue shit, and, and it's, that's on them. But to say that you can't, you shouldn't have any patience... He, he understands patience as meaning like you should just let shit happen, be stoic and like, okay, if it takes 10 years, fine. I don't, I don't see, that, see it that way, 
But at the same time, I'm not going to get mad at myself if I don't make a million dollars tomorrow. It could happen. I believe it could happen. But it pro- le- the likelihood is it's, there's probably more of a chance it won't than it will. So I'm not negative about it. It's just that those are the odds. You know what I mean? But I welcome it with open arms. I have faith and, I, and, I, and I'm working towards it. And you know what I'm saying? So that's all it was. So we were like kind of going back and forth about that. And then I don't know if you ever saw his video on, on uh, somebody slapping his woman's ass. Did you ever see that one? No. He gave like a theoretical example. And he said, if, if I'm at a bar or a club and I'm with my woman and someone slaps her ass, it's smarter for me to just walk away because we can get into a fight. He might have a weapon. I might kill him, yada, yada. It's smarter for me to just walk away and that's it. And a bunch of people were commenting. I left a comment, like a whole long comment. And I wanted to know, and I, I on, the, on my podcast, I had to ask him because I had to put it to rest. I was like, would you actually walk away if somebody like really gave your, your woman a good smack on the ass? Like you would just walk away? And he's like, yeah, well, think about it. You know, you, you have a lot to lose. Anything could happen. And I was like, yeah, bro, but imagine, you know, now your woman feels this burning feeling on her ass because some other man just slapped it and and he nothing's gonna happen to him like you're not gonna do anything and he eventually admitted that he would do something maybe he just didn't want to feel like a pussy but he's like yeah a bunch of people thought i was a pussy and i was like yeah i kind of did too honestly (laughs) you know that's what i said to him you know and um you know my perspective on that is of course there's a risk bro you know especially if you're worth However much he's worth, 100 million, 200 million, maybe more, maybe less. You're worth a lot of money. You're in the spotlight. You're well known. You know, next thing you need is for the news, the local news in Vegas to be putting him on the front page. Like, you know, Brad Lee punches some guy in the face, puts him in the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, your your reputation is on the line to some degree. But Brad Lee isn't exactly a soft, not you know what I'm saying? Like, he can handle some pressure. So it's like, my feeling is I wouldn't be able to control myself. Like if somebody slaps my wife's ass or my girlfriend's ass and he's just standing there smiling, dude, he's got to get something, bro. Because my wife needs to know that, that I'm going to stand up for her. And also on a deeper level, bro, I'm just not going to tolerate that. So if I, if, I, if I get screwed for it, if I get arrested for it, I'm willing to take that chance, bro. The likelihood of me killing the guy is, not, is very low. I'm not going to, bro, I'm not going to fucking actively try to kill the dude. I'm not. A, I'm not out of my mind. Yeah, but you don't know if he will try to kill you. Listen, of course, there's a chance, but I, th- I don't think it's so likely. I think it's pretty slim. Of course, it could happen, but I, I doubt it. I doubt it. It depends where it is. If it's in a dark alley and there's three guys, and I know one of them has a weapon, or there's a nice chance. Even if I'm outnumbered like that, it's probably a, a bad idea. But right. I feel like I would at least try to say something. And if not, not. But it, it's or maybe call the cops and then tell he's a sexual. Sexual abuse? Maybe. It's circumstantial, bro, but what do you think you would do in that situation at a bar? You think you would just straight up walk away? No. I never walk away. Right. Never. Right. So what do you think you would do? I prefer to get beat up than walk away. That's my thought. But that's who I am, you know? That's me. That's what I'm saying, though. Like, if the guy is 6'4", 300 pounds, literally double my size. Fuck it. I'm going to fight him anyway, bro. Yes. I might get my ass kicked. Uh, yeah, but, but, I, like, but at least my wife yeah. knows that I'm willing to fight and do double my size and do whatever it takes. Because what if she, what if what if she's really in danger? What if somebody breaks into our house, and I'm like, Shh, let's just hide in the closet. 
everything's gonna be okay. Right. Let me. I'll call the cops. You know. No, in I that got situation, kids in the you, house. you should have a gun, though. If, uh, bro, of course, I'm gonna have. You a have gun. guns here? Yeah, I have one. In, one here, one in my car. True. Of course, I'm gonna have a. Bro, of course, I'm gonna go out there with my. If I have a well, a rifle's not needed, but a handgun for sure. Whatever it is, Are you kidding me? Of course. Not even a question. My wife, someone breaks into my house. My wife doesn't have to worry for a second, bro. The gun's coming out. I'm going. I'm, I'm dealing with it. One, not even. A, I'm gonna make sure she stays in her room or goes somewhere safe. Make sure the kids. You know, I'll be quietly tell her, hey, take the kids there. Blah blah blah. Go in there. Wait for me. Blah blah blah. And keep. Don't make a sound. I would even tell her to like tape, put tape around my kids' mouths just so, to make sure they don't scream. Seriously. Right. You know. And that's it. And <laughs> do what I gotta do. You know, but like the whole idea, the whole idea is just not doing anything. I can't, I get what he's saying. He's not, it's not that he's wrong. It's just that I could never do that sort of right. thing. Right. Uh, so we talked about that. And we're going to talk about a few other things, but um, I definitely want to hear your feedback on it. Even if you're just driving and I you will. listen to it, I want to hear your thoughts. I but will. Yeah, I, I, did, I did want to talk about more business conversation like ask him how he's built his companies, ask him how he's made his money. And I hope I'll, he did say he'd come on for another one. So God willing. We'll do that at some point, but back to you, bro. Uh, in terms of, so so now you've you've had all these stores. You have your real estate. What were some other challenges that you've experienced along the way, like to, from where you are, from then until now? No, I think it was just that, man. It was just okay. having everything and having nothing, you know. And it, I first came with appreciating small stuff. A family, a friend, family, like a, fam- a family that are their friends of mine, invited me to like a really simple dinner at their house, and it was really simple, like really humble, humble family. Mm-hmm. And dude, I had so much fun. I was really enjoying the moment, and I knew the people were pure, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was coming from this time when I, if it's not a big titty waitress. Bringing my champagne bottle with way, bro, sparkles. I love, I love how you say titty. <laughs> yes. If it's not like that, then I'm not enjoying, you know? And it, <laughs> bro, it went really, like, it was really like that, bro. If I'm not spending money and, like, I'm not enjoying. Like, I have to, it has to be, like, big, you know, always. And I used to do that every single day. So what changed? Because I mentioned on Brad Lee's podcast, you said that too. Like you were so focused on flexing and let letting everyone know you were you were wealthy and successful. It was like this macho thing, and then something changed where you said this is not this is not important anymore. Like I, you like nice things, but it's yeah. not the the be all end all of your life. So yeah, I, I think I, I had, when I had a panic attack, I understood that. Okay, this is. Rock bottom. What was the panic attack like, bro? You literally thought you were dying, like you were in your house and you started your heart. I was in, yeah, I was in Houston, 14 bedroom house by myself. Okay. Huge crib by myself. And then I started feeling my heart rate was going up. And then my chest was like painful. And then I said, okay, I'm just going to go to sleep and I'll feel better in the morning. But then I said, you know, you learn in the army that when you think you're in risk or, you know, you cannot go to sleep at all, you know, because you may not wake up, you know. When so I, then I started feeling and then I started like imagining, oh, yeah, like it could be like a heart attack or something. I could have like arrhythmia or something, you know. You want to go to sleep. You're in risk. And if I go to sleep, I may not wake up. So then I stood up. And then I said, okay, what do I do? Like, this is 
you know, I started like, okay, this is serious, you know. And then I said, no, I'll go to sleep, whatever. So I was about to sleep. I have, it's weird, man. I had like a, not, not post-trauma, but I had like a, my commander, like, call the ambulance right now. Like, you're not going to wake up like that. You know, I imagine really? that. Yeah. And then I like woke up and called the ambulance and said, hey, I'm dying. Can you please go? You said I'm dying? Yeah. It's like, what do you have? Yeah, I think my heart stopped. I think I'm, I'm having a heart attack. Why'd you, why was it that intense? It's just what came to mind? You would, you would, yeah, okay. I don't know, man. And it was really bad. And then I started saying like, okay, I'm going to die in a 14-bedroom house in the middle of Houston <laughs> with no family at, at 27 years old. Oh, my God. Rich as fuck, but by myself. With 27? Yeah. I'm so, this was recent? Oh, 26, last year. Probably. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So then I start saying like, wow. Look, all what I've been through, everything I did in my life, and now I'm dying by myself in a huge crib. Yeah, it's fucking a sad way to go out, yeah. You know? So, you know, I went, I had 1% battery, and I said, fuck, you know, I'm calling 911, I had 1% battery, and, like, this shit is about to die, so I have to charge my phone, so I'm going to keep speaking to 911 here, mm -hmm. but if I may die here, the ambulance doesn't have, now they're going to have to call the firefighters to actually breach the door and get in. And they need probably a warrant or something, right? To get in the house. I don't know. Yeah. Like, and if I really get the heart attack right now, if this is what it is, then it's a bad decision to actually stay in the house. So right. I, I told them I have 1%. I'm walking outside. It was freezing, I remember. So I walk outside. And I tell them, hey, I'm going to be outside because I don't want to be in. Because, you know, maybe the... Bro, if something happens and you're inside the house and they cannot open the door, like, you're dead, you know? Well, why not just leave the door open? Yeah, but then where do they... Like, where is the room? Like, where do they yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, you just want to make it easy to find you. Yeah, so I gotcha. just went to the street. And then they came. Were you, like, lying on the ground? What were you doing? No, no, I was, like, standing like this. My heart was really... And then uh, the ambulance came, and then they like, hey, what's wrong? I said, I'm dying. Please, like, I don't know. And then they checked my blood, everything, you know, my heart. They connected machines, and they told me, like, bro, you're right. You have an amazing heart rate. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like, what? You're talking? I'm dying, you stupid asshole, you. And I started, like, yelling at them, like, didn't you go to school for this? Like, don't you understand? I'm dying. I'm, You know, I'm really dying, motherfucker. And I'm starting, like. Whatever, they took me to... And then I said, okay, after all this episode, you know, I went back home and I thought, wow, like... I, Did you even go to the hospital? They took you? Yeah, yeah, it took me and I was there for a few hours and then I said, fuck this and, you know, I'm okay. But then I went home and I said, like, okay, it was clearly a panic attack. It never happened to me in the past. I've seen death with my eyes. I shoot people. Mm -hmm. I, my friends died in the army and now... I'm having a panic attack because I got money and my and I think I'm lonely. No, like you know what I'm saying? Like what the fuck is this wrong with this? And then I figured out like okay, it was a panic attack. I didn't I wasn't really dying, but I felt it was really felt I was dying. I said this is my last moment in my life. And I told myself, do I do I really want to die this way? Like I have everything but I have nothing. So then that's when I say I have to appreciate small stuff, you know? 
move back to Miami, small apartment, don't give a fuck. I still have my Porsche, you know, stuff like that, but I'm more humble now, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not like trying to. So, wait, so now you just have one car or you still have a few? No, I have one Porsche. That's it? Yeah. You got rid of the Lambo, the McLaren, everything. I had two Rolls Royce in that time. Holy shit, bro. Yeah. Damn. Two? Two Rolls Royce, one McLaren, Lamborghini Urus. Damn, dude. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) That's insane. So now I'm just like this, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't buy. Yeah, personally, even if I had the money to do it, it's like a Rolls Royce is like such a flex, bro. It's so. Because it's like in your 20s, you're rolling around in that car. It's like, damn. Because then it's like really hard to gauge who, who likes you, like who really is there for you and who isn't, bro. It's a problem. Because like because even you women, complain like, like women, oh everybody's here because my money, but like yeah that's why you're showing my fucker like that's what you're asking for. That's why like hey what are you people think like oh I get the Lambo I get the bitches no you won't get girls with the Lambo. You will get hookers. Yeah. Because or hoes because they'll think they'll get money from you. Correct. If you can get a nice girl with a Lambo, but it will just be the conversion. Conv- Conversation. It will be the conversation starter. Yeah. That's it. 100%. But if you're a stupid asshole, like, only a hooker will be with you. Like, 100%. Because they're trying, they think they're going to get money from you. Oh, he's rich. And, but a nice girl would like to, a I man also maybe with a Lambo, but it's only a conversa- conversation starter. I, I do think. Like, oh, that. that's your car? Yes, but you know, I, th- I, I think I rather, you know, like, yeah, it's my car, but if you marry me and. Divorce me, you'll get half. Whatever, you know, like... Something clever. Instead of like, yeah, I have money. You want a champagne? Yeah. Uh, A Porsche, I think, is... Even a Porsche is a very nice car, but it's not too, too, too crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's... it's, I have money, but I'm... Yeah. I'm humble. <laughs> I, don't know about, I don't know about humble because it's still a top of the it's the top nah, level part. Nah, but it's Porsche not is not a fucking Rolls Royce, man. It's yeah, not a fucking not. Ferrari. Of course not. Of course not. It's a yeah. you know a circle car. You know, it's a I call it circle because it's like everything is like rounded. It's not like yeah, aggressive. Let's not let's not talk, say it's not a nice car, bro. It's still a yeah, it's car. nice, but it's the you Porsche. still have a lot of cars lower lower than that car. You know, it's in it's it's in the middle yeah, in terms of. Uh, it's all right. <laughs> fucking chill, bro. They're gonna like a Porsche is nothing. Um, it's still a beautiful car. But, but anyway, anyways, what else? What else? Well, we can talk about um, well, your, well your army experience. Yeah, you definitely. Oh. Yeah, but you get that. Get that. you definitely. You definitely look like you just came from uh, Ramallah. Oh, my beard. You got a little bit of a beard. So you draft. So you draft. You draft and. Uh, you go into obviously you had to go through paratroopers. You go into the training. What made you decide Duvdevan though? I really wanted to be either Matkal or Duvdevan. That was okay. my goal. Well, they're they're quite different. So I did Gibush Matkal. Okay. Uh, you know the tryouts for Matkal. Mm-hmm. I passed them actually. I did the five days and I got actually a draft date to Sayeret Matkal. Really? Yeah. And then after the Gibush, I did three things. One was uh, psychological. Uh-huh. Another one was security background, and another one is Yarpa. It's a most more advanced security um, health check. You know, not the basic one. You know, so they do a little bit more research on your health, a little bit more research on your background, and a little bit more research of of your like psychology, right? Mm-hmm. 
And after those three things, uh, they, I, I had a draft date. I was on the waiting list, they told me. So apparently maybe my background check or something there. Maybe I was too crazy. They told me at the end I'm not drafting there. So then they gave me interviews for other uh, special units, you know. The problem is that they gave me interviews for Maglan, for a ghost, another, you know, special units. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do the van. And they told me, like, you have to do Gibush for them. What do you mean, Gibush? I had a draft date for Matkal. And they told us, like, they told me, like, yeah, but that's what it is. Like, you need to go Gibush. And I said, I'm not doing a Gibush. And I did 859 emails. I did everything. And it didn't work. I said, this is stupid. Like, another Gibush. It's I ridiculous. Passed. You passed the harder yeah. one. Why do you have to go? Yeah. And the stupid thing is, like, if I will, like, pass, let's say I pass Matkal, mm-hmm. which I did, mm-hmm. draft. And then fall, like not complete the maslul or the, you know, the training, then I can go to do the van. But it's the same thing just because yeah, I didn't yeah, yeah. draft before. So I had to do the try. I had to cancel my right to special unit interviews, cancel it and do the, the gibush for the van. And I said, fuck it. I already risk it. I'm going to risk it twice. And I did it. The problem is that the first day I turned my, uh, my uncle, I turned it and it was huge. I'll send you a picture. Huge and purple. And they wanted to kick me out. How did it happen? How'd you get it? How uh, running, yeah. Okay. And they wanted to kick me out, and they tried, but I just didn't let them, and I continue. And and the, I was doing everything last, but they knew I was extremely hurt. And then the last day, I start being first, 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 first. And then the Even guy with the injury. Yeah. And then the guy comes and like, tells me like, bro, like you're gonna die, like your uncle, like you're not in a good shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit down. When they told me sit down, I knew I, was, I passed because nobody t- comes and tell you like just sit down. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they knew they just wanted to keep me. You know, like yeah. your friend, bro. Like just sit down. And of course, I didn't sit down, and I continue, and you know, I finish, and it was good. It was. But your leg was fucked up. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I knew I used it as my advantage. Like, look, I'm still doing it with my turn ankle. You know, so we started 25. You know, long training, 11 weeks of. 11 weeks of uh, navigation, uh, you have uh, anti-terror course, you have all shooting, kind of shootings, uh, Arabic, you have many stuff. And then we finished 16. Well, and then we started doing missions and um, the last year was pretty rough. I had two surgeries in my le- uh, left knee, so I had to stop fighting. I couldn't continue fighting because then now I have serious stuff in my left knee for uh, the rest of my life. What happened so, to your knee? Um, my meniscus, uh, to, I had two surgeries. But uh, from the army? Yeah. How did, how did it, how, what uh, over Charging, like um, walking with overweight and stuff like that. And yeah. the problem is that uh, in order to get recognized as army disabled, you, you, you cannot continue fighting. You have to do like paperwork. So I did all that paperwork so they can recognize my injury and pay me if I need surgery or stuff like that, which I will need in the future. Um... And so I finished as an Arabic teacher. I, my last three months of uh, army service were as an Arabic teacher. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, and that's how I finished my army service. So, but how, how did you learn Arabic so quickly? So, in during the the Maslul, the training, you have a year and a half of actually Arabic classes. And Everyone then, in Duvdevan learns it. Everybody? everybody learns, but not everybody learns the deepest part and goes undercover and do mm-hmm. you know. You have many tasks in the unit, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And um, yeah, I was. I'm just. I think I'm good at languages. That's it. And I also, when I had my first surgery, 
I wanted to come back and not come back like, oh, this is the kid that came back from a surgery. He's injured. We're gonna, you know, I wanted to show that, listen, I'm a fucking motherfucker. I'm the baddest here. So when I was, I was, had crutches, I couldn't work out. But I paid uh, from my own pocket. I paid an Arabic uh, private uh, teacher in uh, in Israel. So I wasn't in the unit. I was, you know, home. But at least I was keeping working on my Arabic. So I came back. I was like one of the best. Wow. Yeah. So that I, when I came back from my injury, it's not that, oh, he comes back from an injury. It's like, oh, bro, did you hear him? How he's speaking now? He's speaking better than us. You know what I'm saying? Wow. That's what I wanted to, to show. Did you, you guys know? speak a lot on bass? together in Arabic like was that yeah, common yeah I mean we like to speak uh, you know whoever also reads and writes it's, we always do you know mm-hmm. it's nice you still speak it at all or no or you honestly like, not really did you lose but I, I like it sometimes I have days that I only listen to Arabic and I, you know have some Palestinian friends I speak to them have Druzi friends I speak to them in mm-hmm. Arabic just to, my teacher too just to keep it you know right okay that's what I do where, where were you where were you well, located? Which part? Where, where they keep you? Uh, West Bank. Duvdevan operates in the West Bank. Uh, that's where I was. Yeah. In, in Gaza, Duvdevan cannot operate. It's a different accent. It's a different kind of missions that you can do there. It's, there was Shimshon. Shimshon was undercover like Duvdevan, but in Gaza. Mm-hmm. And they closed it in 2005 when they actually gave Gaza to... Uh, to uh, Palestinians. Shimshon was undercover? I thought because they're just a regular unit. In yeah. Well... Shimshon was a special unit, uh-huh. and then when they closed it in 2005, because they gave Gaza to Palestinians, so you cannot do undercover missions on that land that you actually gave it to them, right? right. So they, instead of closing the unit, they created a regular platoon name under respect, Shimshon, and now it's in the Kfir Brigade, mm-hmm. but it's not a special unit. Right. Okay, gotcha. I didn't know Shimshon. I was ever... Okay. Yeah. You know, actually, in Fauda, you have people like Tzachia Levi. He's the guy that fucked Leora's wife. Yeah. Well, he was in Shimshon. And then when Sh- when Shimshon closed, they transferred him to, to Duvdevan. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Many people got transferred to Duvdevan. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, Gaza, it's a different accent. It's Bedouin, you know. It's darker people. It's different accent. For example, coffee, kahwe in, in Arabic, kahwe. Uh, some cities they'll say kahwe, you know, or sometimes they'll say kahwe, sometimes kahwe, ka, ka. Now uh, Bedouins, people from the desert, they speak with ge, gahwe, you right. know. It's different accent, but uh, different dialects, yeah. Yeah. So that's why they couldn't transfer just the unit. Like, hey, well, let's let's do Bedouin undercover in West Bank. It doesn't look right, you know. Right. It's not properly. It's different. I understand. Okay, so you. Fair enough. So, how much more time do you feel? How, do you feel you have right now? Like nothing. Okay, let me let you go, bro. Dude, I, I definitely would. But like it was to good. I can come back too if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do it another time for sure. Uh, Mauro, thank you, thank you for joining me, bro. It's really a pleasure. What having you mean? You. No, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Guys, I hope you enjoyed. Make sure to subscribe if you have not, because I know a lot of you guys are watching and not subscribing. Make sure to subscribe. Smash the like button, follow Mauro on all of his accounts. Check out his book, Three Tres Fases, Three Phases, Three Phases on Amazon. Yeah. You can buy it now. Go give it a give it a purchase, and uh, we will see you next time.